Welcome to the Murder Minute podcast. Today, the story of Gypsy Rose and Dee Dee Blanchard. But first, your true crime headlines. Five Alaska teens and a 21-year-old Indiana man were indicted on charges of murder and conspiracy for the killing of 19-year-old Cynthia Hoffman, whose body was discovered along the banks of the Aklutna River. Hoffman was lured into a hike at Thunderbird Falls, a popular spot north of Anchorage, by some of her friends, who then bound and shot the young woman and threw her body into the river. Her murder was part of an elaborate catfishing scheme by the Indiana man Darren Schillmiller, who convinced one of the teens that he was a millionaire from Kansas named Tyler. Schillmiller began an online relationship with 18-year-old Denali Bremer and convinced the young woman to commit a murder and send him photos and videos of it in exchange for $9 million. Bremer recruited the other teens, 16-year-old Caden McIntosh and 19-year-old Caleb Leyland, as well as two unnamed juveniles to kill Hoffman, who was described in court documents as Bremer's best friend. All six co-conspirators face murder charges. Bremer and Schillmiller also face child pornography charges for a previous sexual assault of a minor, which Schillmiller convinced Bremer to commit and photograph. The bodies of an Oregon mother and her son who have been missing since May were discovered in a wooded area southwest of Portland. The woman, 25-year-old Carissa Fretwell, had been shot in the head. The cause of death for her son, 3-year-old Billy Fretwell, is undetermined pending testing. The child's father, 52-year-old Michael Wolf, was charged in May with two counts of murder and two counts of kidnapping. Shortly before her disappearance, Fretwell had been to court with Wolf to determine child support. Wolf was ordered to pay $900 a month to Fretwell, who had sole custody of their child. Fretwell told a babysitter that Wolf and his wife had threatened her and told her that they would seek custody of the child. These ongoing support and custody issues are believed to have been Wolf's motive for the crimes, though he denies any involvement. Two teenage boys in Ireland were convicted of the murder of a third teen, Anna Kriegel, who was 14 years old when she was murdered in an abandoned farmhouse near her suburban Dublin home. The boys, named in court as only Boy A and Boy B due to their young age, lured Anna to the abandoned house where she was strangled, beaten, and sexually assaulted. Boy A was also convicted of sexual assault after his semen was found on clothing torn from Anna's body. It is believed that Boy B lured Anna from her home and watched as Boy A committed the murder and sexual assault. Both boys were 13 years old at the time of the crime. Mandatory life sentences are required for adult murderers in Ireland, but not for juveniles. The judge has requested school and psychiatric records for the boys ahead of their sentencing, which is scheduled for July 15th. Those are your true crime headlines. For true crime anytime, download the Murder Minute app or follow us on Instagram at Murder Minute. Welcome to Murder Minute, your daily dose of true crime. On today's episode, the story of Gypsy Rose and Dee Dee Blanchard, and how a mother's web of lies and abuse led her daughter to murder. Gypsy Rose Blanchard and her mother, Dee Dee Blanchard, captured the hearts of people all over the United States. A single mother who selflessly cared for her disabled daughter, afflicted with leukemia, muscular dystrophy, asthma, seizures, and countless other diseases, 
the two of them always smiling, always holding hands, never giving up. The public were inspired by this devoted mother, dedicated to providing her wheelchair-bound daughter with everything that she needed. But on the night of June 14, 2015, sheriff's deputies found Dee Dee Blanchard face down in her bedroom, lying on the bed in a pool of blood, stabbed to death. With her 14-year-old disabled daughter Gypsy Rose nowhere to be found, the community worried that she may have been abducted. A manhunt was ordered, and Gypsy was found just one day later in Wisconsin. Police expected to find a bald, thin, wheelchair-bound cancer patient, but what they found was a strong young woman walking, eating on her own, and hiding with her boyfriend, 23-year-old Nicholas Godichon, who she'd met online. The Greene County Sheriff soon reported that Gypsy Rose had been found alive and well, but that things are not always as they appear. Dee Dee Blanchard was born in Louisiana near the Gulf Coast in 1967. Dee Dee had five siblings, and during her childhood, family members say that she would occasionally engage in petty theft and writing bad checks, often as retaliation when she didn't get what she wanted. At some point early in her adult life, she worked as a nurse's aide. The family suspects that in 1997, when Dee Dee was caring for her mother, she may have slowly killed her by denying her food. Dee Dee's stepmother also suspects that she almost suffered the same fate, believing that Dee Dee attempted to poison her. When Dee Dee was 24, she became pregnant by Rod Blanchard, who was only 17 at the time. They named their daughter Gypsy Rose because Dee Dee liked the name Gypsy, and Rod was a fan of the band Guns N' Roses. But just before Gypsy Rose was born, in July of 1991, the couple separated when Rod realized that he got married for the wrong reasons. That reason being only that he had impregnated her. Despite Dee Dee's efforts to convince Rod to stay, he did not, and she took her newborn daughter to live with her family. When Gypsy Rose Blanchard was an infant, Dee Dee brought her to the hospital, convinced that she was suffering from sleep apnea. Despite doctor after doctor saying that Gypsy showed no sign of the condition, Dee Dee continued to bring her infant daughter in for treatment and insisted that they put her on a breathing machine. Dee Dee then further self-diagnosed her daughter with an unspecified chromosomal disorder and decided to homeschool her. Gypsy later taught herself to read through the Harry Potter books. When Gypsy Rose was around eight years old, she fell off of her grandfather's motorcycle. Dee Dee immediately took her to the hospital, where she was treated for minor abrasions to her knee, but Dee Dee used the incident to request a wheelchair for Gypsy. A wheelchair, she told her daughter, that she must stay in from now on. The motorcycle accident, she claimed, had resulted in a more serious injury, and Gypsy Rose would need several surgeries if she ever hoped to walk again. Dee Dee then further escalated her diagnosis of her daughter Gypsy's ailments, now claiming that Gypsy suffered from leukemia 
and muscular dystrophy. Gypsy now lived in her wheelchair and required a surgically inserted feeding tube. When her family became suspicious that Dee Dee was exaggerating Gypsy's need for a wheelchair, Dee Dee moved out of her parents' house into an apartment, living on the disability checks that she collected through Gypsy's illness. Dee Dee took her daughter to a hospital in New Orleans, where she claimed that on top of her chromosomal disorder and muscular dystrophy, Gypsy Rose was now suffering from hearing and vision problems and seizures. Tests showed no signs of any of the ailments that Dee Dee claimed her daughter had. A muscle biopsy even proved that Gypsy did not have muscular dystrophy. But Dee Dee always managed to find a doctor who trusted the medical history that she provided for her daughter. Dee Dee's earlier nurse's training meant that she could accurately describe her symptoms, and she even sometimes gave Gypsy medication to cause certain symptoms. Gypsy was prescribed a litany of medications and a breathing machine. Gypsy went through multiple surgeries, including procedures on her eyes and the removal of her salivary glands to control her drooling, which Gypsy later claimed her mother had induced by using a topical anesthetic to numb her gums before doctor visits. When Gypsy's teeth began to rot, probably due to the multiple medications her mother was giving her, they were pulled out. Dee Dee even shaved her daughter's head, telling Gypsy that her hair was going to fall out anyway because of the leukemia, and this way at least, it would be even. At five feet tall, bald and nearly toothless, with large glasses and a high, childlike voice, Gypsy appeared to have every ailment that her mother claimed she had. Whenever they left the house, Dee Dee often took an oxygen tank and feeding tube with them, and Gypsy was strictly ordered to stay in her wheelchair. Dee Dee always held her daughter's hand around others. If Gypsy said something that either suggested that she was not really sick or seemed above her purported mental capabilities, her mother would squeeze her hand, signaling her to shut up. Later, when the two were alone, Dee Dee would beat her with a coat hanger, Gypsy pleading, I'll do better, I'll do better. In 2005, after Hurricane Katrina, Dee Dee saw an opportunity. She and Gypsy Rose moved to Missouri, claiming to be victims of the storm. At first, the two rented a home in Aurora. In 2007, Gypsy was honored by the Ole Foundation, which advocates for the rights of feeding tube recipients as its 2007 Child of the Year. Dee Dee and Gypsy Rose quickly became local celebrities, with Dee Dee, the charming and devoted mother, championing the rights of the disabled. Habitat for Humanity even built them a home, painted pink, with a wheelchair ramp and a hot tub. The Make-A-Wish Foundation sent them to Disney World and gave them backstage passes to a Miranda Lambert concert. Dee Dee, now receiving financial assistance through donations and charities, continued to bring Gypsy to doctor's appointments. 
Hurricane Katrina provided the perfect excuse for missing medical files, and ample media coverage seemed to back up Dee Dee's story of her daughter's condition. As Gypsy got older and more difficult to control as puberty set in, Dee Dee began lying about her age, even going so far as to alter the dates on Gypsy's birth certificate to make her daughter appear younger. On top of the disability checks and donations, Rod Blanchard also continued to make monthly child support payments of $1,200, only occasionally talking to her on the phone. Rod and his second wife regularly tried to visit, but Dee Dee would always find ways to change plans. Dee Dee told friends and neighbors that Gypsy Rose's father was an abusive drug addict who had never come to terms with his daughter's health issues, abandoned them, and never sent them money. When Rod called on Gypsy's 18th birthday, he recalls Dee Dee telling him not to mention their daughter's real age, since she thinks she's 14, and presumably because she didn't want to lose her cash cow. Before long, specialists all over the country were reaching out to Dee Dee and Gypsy Rose to see if there was anything they could do for her condition. One of these doctors, a pediatric neurologist named Bernardo Flasterstein, offered to see her at his clinic. Not only did Dr. Flasterstein notice that Gypsy did not appear to have muscular dystrophy, she appeared to be a perfectly healthy child. I don't see any reason why she doesn't walk, he told Dee Dee noting that she was not a good historian of her daughter's medical history. Dee Dee quickly dismissed him, telling Gypsy that they would not be back to see this doctor. But Dr. Flasterstein decided to investigate, suspecting that Dee Dee, in fact, was the sick one. Dr. Flasterstein believed that Dee Dee had Munchausen syndrome by proxy, a mental health problem in which a caregiver makes up or causes illness or injury in a person under their care, like a child or an elderly adult, and began making calls to doctors in New Orleans. Though Dee Dee claimed that the hurricane had washed away all of Gypsy Rose's records, Dr. Flasterstein was able to find doctors whose records had survived and who remembered Dee Dee and Gypsy. These doctors confirmed that Gypsy was, in fact, a perfectly healthy girl, confirming his suspicions about Dee Dee. Unfortunately for Gypsy, although the doctor documented his suspicions in a report, he never alerted the authorities. But in 2009, when an anonymous report was made to authorities stating that Dee Dee's accounts of Gypsy's conditions were fabricated, two caseworkers visited their home, but Dee Dee handily convinced them that there was nothing to worry about. By now, Gypsy Rose had her own suspicions. In 2010, though Dee Dee had told everyone that Gypsy was 14, Gypsy Rose Blanchard was in fact 19 years old. Gypsy knew that she wasn't sick, or at least not as sick as her mother claimed she was. When she found her birth certificate, listing her birth year as 1991, Dee Dee told her that it was a typo. 
Gypsy Rose began trying to run away. One night, she showed up at her neighbor's door, standing on her own two feet, begging to be taken to a hospital. Dee Dee found her quickly and explained the whole thing away, a talent that she had cultivated over the years, saying that Gypsy's mind was feeble, addled by disease, and that she was on so many drugs that she didn't know what she was saying. The neighbors believed Dee Dee. After the incident with the neighbor, Gypsy Rose began using the internet late at night after Dee Dee went to sleep to meet men in online chat rooms. In 2011, Gypsy ran away with a man that she'd met at a science fiction convention, but Dee Dee soon tracked them down via mutual friends. She convinced the man that Gypsy was a minor when Gypsy was actually 19 and free to go wherever she wanted. People familiar with Gypsy's story felt that this man was taking advantage of a mentally challenged underage girl. After the incident, Dee Dee chained Gypsy to her bed for two weeks and threatened to smash her fingers with a hammer. Gypsy Rose continued to chat with men, hoping one of them would save her. Finally, in 2012, she met 23-year-old Nicholas Godijohn on a Christian dating website. Godijohn had a history of mental illness, dissociative identity disorder, autism, and a criminal record for indecent exposure, facts that Gypsy Rose overlooked, partly out of desperation, and also, she says, because she didn't know what a healthy relationship was. When she told her online boyfriend what her mother had been doing to her and that she could, in fact, walk, John said that he already knew because he was psychic. Gypsy soon learned that Nicholas John had multiple personalities, one of which was Victor, a 500-year-old vampire. Far from being dissuaded, Gypsy embraced his mental illness inventing different personas to go with his various personalities, donning different wigs and costumes for each. Gypsy kept five separate Facebook accounts, and she and Godijohn flirted online, listing themselves as in a relationship. Their intense public exchanges sometimes included references to bondage and sadomasochistic elements. The next year, Gypsy arranged and paid for Godijohn to meet her and her mother in Springfield when Dee Dee took her to see the new live-action Cinderella film. They both wore costumes and, conveniently, bumped into each other at the theater. At some point during the film, Gypsy went to the bathroom, and Nicholas Godijohn went to get popcorn, and the two had sex in the handicap stall of the bathroom. Didi was none the wiser. Soon after, they began to plan Didi's murder. Through Facebook messages, the two planned the demise of Didi. Nicholas Godijohn would wait until Didi had gone to bed, and then Gypsy Rose would let him in, hand him a knife, gloves, and pre-cut duct tape, and he would kill her. In June of 2015, Nicholas Godijohn returned to Springfield, arriving while Gypsy and her mother were away at a doctor's appointment.
When they returned and Dee Dee had gone to bed, Nicholas go to John, bludgeoned Dee Dee in bed while she slept, and Gypsy hid in the bathroom covering her ears. After Dee Dee was dead, the couple had sex in Gypsy's room. The two then stole $4,000 in cash that Dee Dee had kept hidden in the house and fled to a motel outside of Springfield. They believed they were free. They mailed the murder weapon back to Nicholas Godijohn's home in Wisconsin to avoid being caught with it, then took a Greyhound bus there. Several witnesses saw the pair on their way to the Greyhound station, Gypsy wearing a blonde wig and walking unassisted. On June 14th, Gypsy urged Nicholas to use his phone to post two updates to Dee Dee's Facebook page so that someone would discover her body. The first post read, That bitch is dead, followed 17 minutes later by a post suggesting that whoever left it had murdered Dee Dee and raped Gypsy. Friends first reacted to the Facebook post thinking that Dee Dee's account had been hacked, after they saw the second post, several of them tried to call the house. When no one answered, they checked the house. When no one answered the door, they called 911. Police entered the house and soon found Dee Dee's body. A GoFundMe account was quickly set up by friends and neighbors to pay for her funeral expenses and maybe even gypsies. Friends and neighbors knew that even if Gypsy had not been killed, she would be helpless without her wheelchair and her medications and support equipment like the oxygen tanks and feeding tube. One of the neighbor girls told police that Gypsy had confided to her that she had a secret online boyfriend. Based on information she gave them, Police asked Facebook to trace the IP address from where the posts on Dee Dee's account had been made. The next day, Gypsy Rose and Nicholas Godijohn were tracked down at his Wisconsin home, where they surrendered and were taken into custody. The news media soon reported the truth about Dee Dee and Gypsy Rose Blanchard, that Gypsy was a healthy, normal girl, had always been able to walk, and that her mother had forced her to stay in a wheelchair and faked her illness to con the public for money. Authorities advised the public not to donate any money to the family until investigators learned the extent of the fraud. Eventually, psychiatrists labeled Gypsy Rose Blanchard a victim of child abuse, citing Munchausen's by proxy as the root of Dee Dee's behavior. However, the fact of the murder still stood. While Missouri does have the death penalty, the county prosecutor announced that he would not be seeking it for the couple, calling the case extraordinary and unusual. Both confessed. In July of 2015, Gypsy was sentenced to 10 years in prison. Gypsy had been fed Pediasure for most of her life through a feeding tube and was so malnourished that while she was in prison that first year, she gained 14 pounds 
in contrast to most inmates who lose weight. Nicholas Godajohn's trial began in November of 2018. After being postponed for a psychiatric exam, his lawyers contending that he was autistic and had an IQ of 82, suggesting diminished capacity. Prosecutors alleged that Gota John had planned the crime for a year, while his lawyers pointed to his autism and said that the murder was Gypsy's idea. Prosecutors showed jurors text messages, sometimes sexually explicit, that Gypsy and Nicholas Godajon exchanged the week before the murder, often using various personas. In some of the texts, he asked her for details about Dee Dee's room and sleeping habits and discussed raping Dee Dee the night of the murder. They also produced the video of his interview with police after his arrest where he confessed to killing Dee Dee. After two hours of deliberation, Nicholas Godajon was found guilty of first-degree murder and was sentenced to life in prison. Dee Dee's family in Louisiana, who had suspected that she was lying about Gypsy years before, does not regret her death. Her father, stepmother, and her nephew have all said that Dee Dee deserved her fate and believe that Gypsy does not belong in jail and has been punished enough. All of the family members refused to pay for Dee Dee's funeral. Her father and stepmother had her cremated and flushed her ashes down the toilet. The crime has since become fodder for news outlets and television shows, including The Act, a series about the case on Hulu, and the documentary Mommy, Dead, and Dearest. In prison, Gypsy Rose researched her mother's condition and has since come to terms with the abuse that she suffered. She said of her mother in an interview, I think she would have been the perfect mom for someone who was actually sick. Gypsy is remorseful for the murder and now realizes that she should have attempted to tell her father about the abuse. Gypsy's father and stepmother have both stated that if they had known what was going on, they would have taken custody of Gypsy. Gypsy said in an interview in 2018, I feel like I'm freer in prison than living with my mom because now I'm allowed to just live like a normal woman. When asked by Dr. Phil if she was glad that her mother was dead, she stated, I'm glad that I'm out of that situation, but I'm not happy that she's dead. This has been Murder Minute. For true crime anytime, download the Murder Minute app or follow us on Instagram at Murder Minute.